This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Pastor Kevin Myers delivers this teaching entitled, Trust God, period. This is the second message in the series, Unscripted. We hope this serves you well. Please enjoy. Welcome to 12 Stone Across the Camps. This is great to have you. We're all excited to be here. We're having a lot of fun. You never know. You could have a script and then things go off script and then all of a sudden you don't know where you are. Um, so great to have you. It's week two. And you know, when I was, I was several years ago, I was driving up uh, State Road 316 with a friend of mine. It was just after lunch. We were driving back and, and uh, we, we pulled up to what was going to be a long left turn light. And uh, serendipitously, like right in front of us, uh, was my father-in-law driving my wife's car, which was uh, kind of a happy accident. He was in town from from Michigan and doing some, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, kind of running around picking up some stuff. And 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 so I, I I'm like, there's my father-in-law. This is a great moment. I think I'm going to do a little practical joke. So I said, I, I'm going to jump out of the car and carjack him uh, just to kind of scare him. That would be fun. My friend's like, are you sure that's a good idea? I said, yeah, he's a really serious guy. And he just needs some humor in his life. So a good old-fashioned Atlanta carjacking might be it. Uh, he, so I jumped out of the car and I ran up to the side of the car. I snuck up and I whipped open the door. And I said, get out of your car. Give me your car. And uh, I got him. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's, it scared him. It scared me too because it wasn't my father-in-law. So... Uh, I, mean, I looked at the guy like, oh, crap, you're not my father-in-law. I got to go. And I slammed the door. And I, and I ran back to, to my friend's car and jumped in. He's like, just scare him? Oh, yeah, I scared him. Did he think it was funny? I don't think so. I don't think he thought it was funny because it wasn't my father-in-law. He said, are you kidding me? I said, I don't know. Can you imagine what that guy's thinking? I mean, he goes home that night. Like, honey, how was your day? Uh, weird. <laughs> weird, like this guy tried to carjack. And I, I swear, I'm not sure. He looked like that guy that teaches over at 12 Stone. I mean, I don't. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, like, it, how, do you, how do you mess that up? Like, how do you get that wrong? And I, I know. I mean, I'm like, I, I, I promise you it was like her car. I mean, it was her, it was her make, her model, her year, her color. In, in every way, I knew the, only the first half of my wife's license plate, and it was that, literally. And then, look, it was the outline of my father. I don't know. Uh, but it, it didn't work. Um, not the way I scripted it. And, and that happens in life to all of us. We script stuff, and then, and, and then it, it doesn't play out the way we scripted it. And that's the conversation we're having uh, in this series. Uh, Ernie Johnson uh, wrote the book Unscripted and uh, talks about how he, having scripted things in his life, they, they didn't play out that way. And that sometimes they become the most extraordinary thing if you'll embrace the unscripted. Other times uh, it's pretty traumatic in your life. And, and sometimes it just it, it reveals what you really believe. And so I'd encourage you to pick up the book. I mean, it's inspiring stuff. And that's why we wanted to make it available uh, for the first couple of weeks here of, of the series. And, and Ernie unpacked how uh, last weekend he, he talked about how, how he came to faith in Jesus because he discovered that God has a bigger script. Uh, that God has a bigger plan, and he settled that relationship with Jesus, and, and obviously hundreds of people did last weekend, and we're celebrating that, but, but not all. Uh, some of you are still spiritually unresolved. You haven't said yes to Jesus yet. 
uh, you're not sure, and maybe God's uh, still messing with you a little bit. And we're going to give even an opportunity today before uh, we close uh, out today's uh, time. So this may be your, you still may be your day if God draws you to himself. So here we are, continuing the conversation. And the question today is, oh, how do you handle life um, when bad things happen? I mean, when it, just, when it goes way off script from what you would hope, particularly if you're a believer. Like, if you're a believer, you follow Christ, and you think, man, God has made some promises, and, and God's going to bless me. And, and, and then, it, whoo, it goes off script. And that's where we pick up uh, the interview with Ernie. So listen in. This is powerful. award-winning sportscaster and the host of TNT's Inside the NBA. Please welcome Ernie Johnson, Jr. February of 2003. I am, um, I'm shaving one morning. And I'm doing this and I'm, you know, you screw up your face when you're shaving like that. And, and then I saw a little bump come out of the from right like here, but when I was sitting here like this, you couldn't see it, but when I did that, the swelling right up here came up, and I said, well, maybe I got something, maybe I, there's something, a uh, tooth thing, maybe there's just something that's, yeah, whatever. And for months, um, I kind of ignored it as much as I could, but I always thought about it, and, but I, had, I did nothing about it. And so finally, that summer, uh, I had a doctor friend of mine who lived up the street, and I kind of did this thing for him, and he said, yeah, I, I see it and I feel it. You need to get it checked. And um, first thing they did was stick a, a needle in there, and she said, they're going to have to run tests on this, but I think uh, this, this looks uh, cancerous. At dinner the next night, uh, the phone rang, and I knew who it was, and I took the call in another room. And when I came out and Cheryl met me in the den and she said, was that, were those the doctors at Emory? And I said, yeah, and, and what'd they say? And I said, it's worse than we thought it was. I said, it's cancer, and we bawled. And we held each other and it was horrible. You think about the things that you were worried about in your life and you think about things that were bugging you and, and, and then they hit you with that word and, and then you start wondering, how's this gonna play out? And I'm, I'm not 50 yet, I'm 49 and this is happening. And, um, You know, you do a little shaking of your fist at, you know, what's up? I mean, what do you want from me? So I'm, I'm coming to grips with this whole uh, cancer diagnosis, and I'm, um, you know, why me? Um, PK helped me out, because we, we sat down, and, um, and we just start talking about um, basically came down to trust. You trusted Jesus with your life, 1997. Now, what kind of trust is that? 
Is it trust? If? I'll trust. When? Or is it? I trust God. Period. And that's where we landed the plane. Because if I'm going to trust him in these mountaintop moments, in these great times in my life, I'm going to trust him when I'm walking through this valley. And this was one of those times. Pardon me one sec. <clears throat> Still got the notes. Still got the notes from back, uh, back in 2003. It was a Starbucks where we met, if you, if you don't see that. But there it is. There's the word. Trust with a period. And that's where we decided, and that's where I, and I said, that, I said, it's true. That's, that's what I did in 97. You know, I'm also, like I read John 9, and I'm, and I'm reading about Jesus and, and the disciples and the, and the blind man at the side of the road, and they're asking, why is this man blind? Who sinned? Was it him or his parents? And Jesus says, and I'm paraphrasing here. Jesus says, look, you're asking the wrong question. It's not why. It's how my heavenly Father is going to be glorified through it. And that's where I, I was very peaceful in resting right there. You may have read or heard uh, that I'm dealing with something that millions of people in this country have dealt with, cancer. So then, you know, we start the chemo and summer of 06 and uh, after my first chemo treatment and get out of the shower one day drying off my hair and there's I'm now looking like a stray dog and so I said look let's get this thing done and so <laughs> I sat on a chair in the bathroom Cheryl came out with the clippers took it all down Michael's sitting there in his wheelchair watching this whole thing unfold. Daddy looked like Mr. Clean. It was awesome. NBA season was starting, and I was scheduled to have my seventh chemo like a couple of days after opening night. And my doctor calls and says, you're at work. I said, yeah. He said, well, I got some good news for you. You're in remission. No more chemo. Have a great night. And the weight that just was, was lifted off with that phone call. Wow. There were times, there were moments, anxiety-ridden, and sometimes it's not for you, it's for your kids. It's for your wife, and you, you put it into these other terms. What if I'm not here for them? How's my daughter taking this? How's my son taking this? Um, but it always came back, basically, to trust. I looked at it this way, fear, anxiety, um, apprehension, you name it. You can come knocking at the door, and sometimes you come barging in when I'm not ready for it. But if you come in, you're going to have to hang out with faith and hope and trust. Um, and they're not going to let you stay long. 
So I know there are going to be moments when I get worried, but never are those going to be replacing trust. At the very core of this battle, trust God, period. It was a good place to be. And I remember that conversation at Starbucks and how he was facing the dread of cancer and the discovery that there are layers to trusting and that Ernie was going to have to navigate the reality of the relationship with God is, is, is built on trust. That's the core of it. And by the way, if you're not trusting God, you're, you're trusting someone. You're trusting something. I mean, you're placing your trust somewhere. And so, so when bad things happen, how do you handle them? I mean, most of us, like Ernie, right off the top, I mean, I do, we just, we just go into the oh, fear and dread and, and, and uncertainty and worry and anxiety. Remember what he said? Let me just bring back the quote. You know, I tried to ignore it, but anxious was in the back of my mind all the time. I started wondering, how does this play out? Do a little shaking of your fist at God, like, you know, what's up with this? What do you want from me? Why me? You know, David from King of Israel times, Old Testament King David, he wrote about this in Psalm 13. Why don't we take our Bibles here across campuses and turn over to Psalm 13 and learn a little something about how David handled uh, things when, when, when they went bad. Page 541, page 541, uh, right in your worship center Bible, and uh, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 13, and you'll, you'll then begin to see what was behind the, the scenes in the conversation that Ernie and I had at, at Starbucks and how it led to trust God, period. Now, this psalm was written, and it starts right out with something bad has happened to David. And we, and we don't know exactly what that is. It's not, it's not in the story, and we don't know exactly when this was written. So we don't know which of his experiences. But what we know is uh, David wrote it when he was experiencing dread or setback or, or sorrow or suffering. Uh, things had gone bad uh, for him. And, and, and God, you know, God was not rescuing. David's losing. God's not rescuing. And so David gets into this psalm and he laments, how long, O Lord? You know, we want a trouble-free life, particularly if you follow God. You're like, oh, God, you gave me a trouble-free life blessing. No, he never promised that. He promised he'd be with you. Even Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He didn't say bad things would never, trouble would never happen. He just said that, that I will work all things together for your good. You'll trust me, you'll walk with me. And so... This lamenting, though, when bad things happen, look at it, verse 1 of Psalm 13. How long, Lord? David writes, how long will you forget me? How long were forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day, I have sorrow in my heart. How long will, how long will my enemy triumph over me? And David's venting. He's, he's lamenting because things are not good. When did David write this? I don't know. Nobody does. No scholar knows. We could pick any time in David's life. We could pick like when David was 28. And that story is recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I'll set the story up for you. 
Go back. Remember, David's 10 to 13, and, and he was a shepherd, and, and he gets pulled out of the field to, to be anointed by God to be future king. Now, that's an awesome script. Everybody wants that one. Yeah, I'll take that. And, and, and then, 17, he, he drops Goliath, David and Goliath story. Woo! Hey, David, this script's going well. And then, in his 20s, he connects with, with King Saul, and, and, and he gets, who is the king of Israel at the time, and so he gets pulled into that, and that's an awesome script. And then, he becomes a, a major commander in the army, and great success. And then he marries the king's daughter. I mean, this is the script. David said, I can see how this is all coming. All blessing, favor, awesome. And then it goes off script. And Saul turns on him. And now David's running for his life. And David's kind of exiled from Israel and from his family. He loses his wife because she stays with daddy, King Saul. And, and, and he, he's out there just trying to survive. Now, now he's just trying to survive. How do I make this work? And he, he, he builds up a group of, uh, of warriors, about 600 of them. And they, they're, they're kind of plundering. They're marauders to, to just try and sustain life. And, and they built a little kind of hometown that, that they got their wives and their children in. And David doesn't know what's going on. It's all off script. And, and then worse goes to worse then it goes like further off and, and and they're out you know at a battle when they come back to their hometown their wives and their kids are gone the, the, their hometown's been sacked and burned look at this from first samuel chapter 30 by the time david and his men entered the village it had been burned to the ground and their wives sons and daughters all taken prisoner david and his men burst out in loud wails wept and wept until they were exhausted with weeping and suddenly David, I mean, he was in even worse trouble because there was talk among the men bitter over the loss of their families of stoning David. 28 years old. How long, O oh Lord? I mean, David's doubting himself and probably doubting God and his men are doubting him. How long, O oh Lord, will you let this happen? I mean, David's like, God, you... You know, you made promises to me when I was young, and then there, everything was going awesome, and now it's not. And it, you should have just let me be a shepherd. I mean, look at what, look what's come upon me. And we, God, where are you? And, and it's raw, and it's real, and he's filled with understandable fear and uncertainty and angst. And by the way, this Psalm 13, which is so raw, it was not written to be read. It was written to be sung so that you would experience the angst, the anguish, the uncertainty and the not knowing. And so uh, we're going to do something I've never done before. Uh, we're not going to read this scripture, the rest of it, and what we're going to have it put to music. I went to the creative team and said, you know what, I can't read this. I think we need to experience the for its original intent so that you would sit and soak in it and experience it. And you'll see how it moves from this venting, lamenting thing uh, to prayer and to, to some kind of hope, but you got to sit in it. So you can keep your Bibles open to Psalm 13, and we'll come back and unpack it. But how do you, how do you navigate? How do you handle life when bad things happen? Soak in this psalm.
That's a pretty honest reflection. And it, it's almost a guide there in Psalm 13 from tough times to trust God, period. So let's walk through it. The first thing is venting. Jot it down in your notes if you want to. Venting because things are not good. I mean, he is lamenting. And venting is normal in life. It's part of your journey. You, you're, 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 you're venting because... Well, it, it, it's normal, it's emotional, and, and sometimes, sometimes it's irrational. Often it is, like for David, what was irrational is to say, how long, Lord, will you forget me? Well, David knows God doesn't forget. That's not the nature and the heart of God. God's not, God's not going to forget. Oh, but when he says, how long will you hide your face from me? How long will you turn? Now, sometimes it, it seems like God has done that, that, that God is so distant you, you can't get to him. Because in the midst of your lamenting, it seems like you, it feels, I'm not saying God has, but you feel like God's betrayed you. you. I mean, have you ever felt like God's ever betrayed you? I'll put my hand up. I've had moments. You, anyone else, anyone ever like, man, I, I, just, I feel like betrayed me. And my, man, that's a tenuous place to be. And it's excruciating. And what do you do? Well, then your emotions have to be arrested. You have to force your emotions to, to, to engage the truth. Your, your mind is going to have to step in and engage this truth. Look at it right there from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. In other words, when everything is falling apart, I don't want to fall apart. And that's what moves you to praying. That's the second of what he goes into in verse uh, three, 3 and 4. They're praying because you need God to work for your good. So David moves into praying. Look on me, O oh God, and answer me. Bring light to my darkness. Or, or I, I'm going to lose it, man. I am going to fall. 
And, and I don't want to fall. I don't want to fall apart. So pray. I mean, go, go tell God what you're asking him to do. Engage God. Don't just sit and let lament own your life or, or, or the, 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 the sense of betrayal will turn to bitterness and it'll mark you and it'll begin to own you. God, I, God, I need you to rescue. I need you to come in. I, I'm desperate for you. Look at what David did in 1 Samuel 30. Now his, 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 his family's been gone and, and taken and all of them and his men's turning and then David prayed. David, what, everybody? Prayed to God. And then says, God, I, I need your help. Shall I go after these raiders? Can I, can I catch them? And, and, and in that process, God spoke back to David. Yes, go after them. Yell, catch them. Yes, you'll make the rescue. And David found strength. Say that word with me. David found what? Strength, strength in the Lord his God. When I sat with Ernie at, at Starbucks, I'm like, yeah, Ernie, you're, you, you know what? There's no sugarcoating this. You're in trouble. And there is a dread that comes over you. And now, Ernie, you're either going to do one of two things. You're either going to turn on God or turn to God. And those are your only choices in life. And you do one or the other. What do you do? Because this stuff is undoing. And so you force yourself to pray based on the truth because it's the only thing that moves you from your trouble to focus on God. And so David would say pray. And by the way, listen, prayer is not therapy. You don't pray to feel better. You pray because prayer is transforming. It moves the hand of God to reshape things on earth. God, I need you to enter in and do the thing I cannot do. In David's case, I've lost my family, and, and all of us men have, but we've lost everything. Dear God, you're good. you have to come in. He needed God's rescuing hand because everything's off script now. And, and what did David get? God gave David strength. He gave him what? Yeah, sometimes, I mean, I have borrowed from this scripture and that prayer so many times and that, God, I need strength. You know, sometimes, I, I, sometimes it's just I need strength to endure. Because um, if you don't, I'm going to fall, and, and I don't want to fall. Yeah, I don't want to fall apart. And that's what leads to trusting. I mean, you, for the praying will reshape and engage, and you go to trusting because God is good and he will be good. That's, that's, David knew that God was good. Listen, David knew that God was good. It's the nature of God. God can't help but be good. And that God has been good. And therefore, he will be good again. And, and it infuses the hope. Now listen, when David wrote this, it's not because he could see the hope. It's not because he could feel it. His circumstances did not change yet. He simply required of himself to trust God, period, because God is good and God has been good. What do you actually do? You got to go practice that God has been good. Listen, there's insight in this. When you get in that place and you're venting or lamenting and then you're praying and you're like, I got to get back to trust. I got to, God, I got to have hope breathe back into my life or I'm going to sink down. And it's going to mess everything up. And, 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 and how do you get there? 
remember when God has been good. In your life, listen, you go into scripture and the Bible's filled with stories that layer up the goodness of God. You go read those stories and you're like, you remind yourself, okay, yes, God's been good. And by the way, you don't just use scripture, you got your own stories. Go back in your history, remember when God's been good. Stack those stories on top of scripture. It's what builds and restores the awareness that God has been good, he'll be good again. God's been good. Don't you have stories? I got stories in my life where where God has been good to me. And I got to recall those. We have stories in our family where God's been good to us. And we got to bring those stories back as a family. We got those as a church family. Like, like Like the 13 acre story. That's part of our history as a church. The 13 acre story in short form is we had maxed out and we were hitting 900 people reaching people and God was, was changing lives but we were stuck and we had resources and, and God said go get that land the 13 acres out on Highway 20 there in Lawrenceville close next door here and like oh God I don't know how to do that and God opened up a door to meet the guy who owned the land Doug Edwards and build a relationship and eventually I'm like hey Doug your, your land would be a great place to build a church and he's like oh you can't afford it and I said I didn't say I wanted to pay for it this would be a great place. I said, Doug, can I walk on your land? He said, yeah, you can walk on. That was a mistake because I was walking on his land praying, oh, dear God, put it on Doug's heart to give the land. Give a miracle. We need a miracle. I mean, people matter to God, and we need a place and space, and, and I don't know how to get there. And, and when we, it's, it's just, God, the people are lost, and we can't get casual about this. Help us, God. And you're putting it on my heart to do this. We put it on Doug's heart. Man, I got so filled with faith, and Doug eventually called me, and this was months later, and he said, you know what, I think this would be a great place for a church. And he said, I've settled on a price, can I meet with your board? And I said, absolutely. And before he met with us, I sat down with the board, and I was so faith-filled, I said, listen, listen, I know what's coming. He's gonna walk in, he's gonna sit down, he's gonna sign it off, free and clear, it's gonna be a miracle. And they all just looked at me, stone-faced, and... Vice chairman of the board went, anybody want what the pastor's smoking? And we don't, we don't usually do that as a habit on the board. We've thought about it. There are times. It's not legal yet, but who, no, okay. Just, I just wonder if it's legal. Can, no. Hey, I got to get back. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So, 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 so that he was kind of saying, you're high, you know, and that encouraged my faith. Um, and so Doug came in, and he sat down with us. And the short story is, is he said, yeah, he doesn't go to this church. He didn't go to the church then. He said, the Spirit of God has told me, and I believe that 12 stone will impact thousands of people in this territory, and I want to be a part of it. So I'm going to give you this land, million-dollar piece of land, free and clear. And I went, now does anybody want what the pastor's smoking? I mean, it was awesome. And, and, so, and so we got those stories as a church. I love telling that story. We also have the 70-acre story, and I don't tell that story very often. See, the 70-acre story is what happened after that 13-acre story, and God put it on my heart, and they said, you're going to need more, and I want you to expand. And I'm like, I'm all in, God. And, and before we could get after uh, this land that we're on right now, uh, a developer bought the land, and it blew my mind. I'm like, God, I thought you, you told us to. And he said, well, go get it. So I went, met with the developer, and I did this. I, cause, listen, because I know how God's going to do it. He's already done one, so now I know how God works. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be a great story. So, so I called the developer, sat down with her, and, and I said, listen, you can't have that land. She said, what do you mean? I already bought it. I said, yeah, but you can't have it. We're going to build a church there. And she wasn't a Christian, so I mean, I'm, I'm like, weird. 
And she said, well, think about it, but the answer is no. And so I went and prayed about it, and I'm like, oh, dear God, I'm walking land. I'm like, God, know what you're going to do. And she calls me up after a couple weeks or a month. She said, all right, like, can we talk? And I, I went and sat down. She says, listen, I've decided to sell you the land. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> give me the price because I know it's free. She said, um, it's, it's going to cost you 750000 more than I paid. Like in my mind, I'm like, no, oh, no, no, God, that's, God, you did, you, she's not listening. This isn't, no, no, that, God, that's worse. That's like the opposite of everything I was asking you to do. I'm like, God, go back to the, what she paid then. I mean, it's not even close. Like literally, I had decided I was going to trust God. Have you ever done this? Like, like I was coming in, trust God if she gives it to us free. I'm like, this, I, I don't know what to do. Oh, that, that script didn't work. So I wrote another one. Okay, trust God. If, if everybody at the church, like, I see you want somebody in the church to, to give, and, and, and somebody's going to do like a miraculous, I inherited a billion dollars, I'll give you what you need. And the church, I'm like, that's the, so God, I trust you. So we went after, we said, okay, church, we're going to go after, we're going to violate, we're going to do this thing. And peop, yeah, some people were generous, but it, it barely was a down payment. It, it didn't work. God didn't answer that prayer, I didn't know. I'm like, oh, hang on. I don't, I don't know what you're doing. Well, okay, trust God if. So I put another, I got my next blank. Trust God if we get momentum. Like, okay, we'll get the land. And, and now it's going to be, but now but, but you give us momentum and we'll kind of blow up in a good way and then it'll cover the whole thing. And, and we didn't get momentum. Like I had, like I borrowed so much money that, uh, it offended so many people in the church. Some 200 people left. Uh, and we couldn't make the payments. I mean, God, I, I don't even understand you. In fact, um, we, I had to go to the lender and say we can only do interest-only payments and I don't know how long, and I mean, I'm falling. I'm just, it's just going down. And I went to this little pastor's conference thing, and there was a guy speaking there that I knew, you know, acquaintance-wise, and when he got done with the speaking thing, I, I said, can I talk with you afterwards? And yeah, sure, and we went off to the side where nobody was, a little distance away, and I started telling him, I, I said, I'm in trouble. Um, I got us in a bad situation, and I can't, I can't uh, meet the payments, and I, and I started crying, and then I started weeping, and I'm convulsing, and I'm like, I can't stop myself. I don't even know what's going on. I'm, I am unraveling in front of this guy, making a fool of myself, and I'm done it by the time I'm, I mean, I, I, I still can see his face looking at me like, whoo, and I said, can you help me? I mean, I don't know what to do. I think I killed the church. It's, it was so difficult at the beginning of the church. And, and then we got God's blessing and we got momentum. And now I, I think I killed the whole thing. He's like, hey, I'll pray for you. Woo. Walked. I don't blame him. I mean, I'm like, if I were that guy, I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're in trouble. God bless. <laughs> Listen, when people tell you they've got God all figured out, be leery. 
because God is not managed and he's not manageable. And I said, God, I don't even know what to do anymore. And the answer was, trust God what? Period. Because he doesn't follow my script. In fact, when I sat down with Ernie that day at Starbucks, he had no idea that I was coming off on these kinds of experiences. So I wasn't just flippantly saying it. I was uncomfortably walking through it. It wasn't my first or my last. And congregations don't want to know that their pastor cycles in trust and has a crisis of trust. But I have and I do. In fact, honestly, if I were blunt, and I really don't want to be, I, I didn't want to teach this weekend because this had been set up for weeks to months and I know I'm t- teaching Trust God period this weekend and then God just screws with my life recently and I got stuff I can't solve and I'm like, I am not going in front of thousands of people and teaching Trust God period. <laughs> if I could have got out of teaching this weekend, you have no idea how hard I tried. I'm like, what would it be like if we just gave people a break after Easter? We just said, nothing nothing next weekend. Last weekend was so good, we're going to push play and just listen to it again. That's how good it was. You don't need another weekend. I'm like, I'm running out of subjects that I want to preach on because every time I preach on something, God tests me. Like, I don't want to talk about marriage anymore. I don't want to talk about parenting. I don't want to talk about career or finances or trust God or anything. I just like, I I got no more subjects. It's going to get thin around here soon. I'm like, there's going to be nothing left to talk about. Because honestly, I can't always see what God sees. I certainly don't know what God knows. And all I can do is trust who God is. Psalm 13. It, it isn't just for singing. It's for living. And you're going to vent. Don't get stuck there. Go from vent to pray. And then from pray to trust. Trust and repeat as often as needed. (laughs) And sometimes I can get to trust and live that for long periods of time. And some days I cycle from vent to pray to trust like three or four times in one day. It's not really good at this. See, David still had to battle. He still had to go fight. He He still had to go to war and win back his family that he had lost. Ernie still had to go through cancer treatments and battle it. I still had to go through the property issues to to get where we are, and it didn't take the two or three years I thought. It took eight years. And I got more stuff in front of me. You got more stuff in front of you, but you got to settle. That God is good. He has been good, and he will be good again. And we need the lesson that Ernie settled that day, trust God, period. And maybe, you know, maybe you've never trusted God. Maybe last week we talked about faith issues and you've never started a relationship with God and God's still messing with you and this could be your day to say yes to him. So we'll talk about it in a moment. But maybe what we all need is just to kind of reset the last few thoughts that Ernie gave because they're encouraging. So listen. But it always came back basically to trust. I looked at it this way, fear, anxiety, 
um, apprehension, you name it. You can come knocking at the door, and sometimes you come barging in when I'm not ready for it. But if you come in, you're going to have to hang out with faith and hope and trust. Um, and they're not going to let you stay long. So I know there are going to be moments when I get worried, but never are those going to be replacing trust. At the very core of this battle, trust God, period. It was a good place to be. If you could, don't you want to just thank Ernie for delivering so incredibly well and so courageous and honest. But I don't want us to lose the intensity of a moment right now that's in front. For some of you, God is messing with you and you've never said yes to God. And last weekend, you weren't ready and maybe you are now. And so we're gonna put the prayer back on the screen. I'm not selling anything, I'm not pushing. I'm just giving the opportunity. If this is your moment to say yes to God, we felt like it was important for us to stay attentive to that. So we're gonna say the whole prayer, read the whole prayer together. All of us are gonna say it aloud here, Cafe Theater. But if this is your moment to say yes to God, then this is your prayer and this is transforming to you. Finally, time to say yes. So everybody, let's read it together. But if this is your moment, then this is your prayer. Let's read it aloud. Heavenly Father, I believe you created me but my sin has separated me from you. Please forgive me through the work of Jesus. Restore me to being your child as I now commit to follow you as Lord of my life. Thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. And what you need to know is that that makes it your spiritual birthday, spiritually born again, forgiven and restored to God. And church, if even one, I know 657 have, but if one more does, what does all of heaven do? Just even for the one? Absolutely. There are a number of us who are in places right now where we need to practice trust you, period. Would you help us? And maybe God just give us strength like you did, David, in Christ's name. Amen.